You're listening to episode 19 of the ESL Teaching Podcast. Today, I wanted to talk about self-management. The pandemic has brought to light many issues that had been lurking in the shadows, and social-emotional learning is one of them. There are five components of social-emotional learning, and in this episode, I'm going to go into detail about one of them, self-management. I will share five simple techniques that have, I have been successfully implementing in my classroom this year, and you will hear how to help your students stay on task, decide what is important versus what can absolutely wait for later, when to set goals, and what questions to ask for self-reflection. And of course, I will share how I incorporate all of this in my daily lessons. I hope you find this episode useful and can apply some of the tips in your own teaching. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to the ESL Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Yeva Grossless, otherwise known as Simply Yeva, and I am so thankful that you tuned in. I'm looking forward to sharing both my knowledge and experience on this podcast, as well as that of my fellow teachers. Hello, hello, everyone. At the time of this recording, the school year is almost over, and it is a perfect time to reflect on what worked and what new challenges we have faced. I have been wanting to talk about social-emotional learning in the EL classroom for a while now. While many schools started implementing social-emotional learning curriculum practices before the worldwide pandemic, it only showed how important it is for all of us to pay more attention to this part of education. Before I dive into today's tips, let's make sure we're all on the same page. That is, what is social-emotional learning? According to castle.org, SEL is the process through which all young people and adults acquire and apply the knowledge, skills, and attitudes to develop healthy identities, manage emotions, and achieve personal and collective goals, feel and show empathy for others, establish and maintain supportive relationships, and make responsible and caring decisions. In other words, it is an integral part in how we learn and live. And when we think about our English learners, there's always an additional layer of the social-emotional learning, the adjustment to the new culture, learning of new norms, perception of self, and overall well-being in a new environment. There are five competencies in social-emotional learning, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and decision-making skills. One of the interesting things that I, along with other educators, have noticed this year is that our students need explicit instruction in all five of the above categories, whether they are English learners or not. Each of the SEL competencies deserve a separate podcast episode, and as mentioned earlier, each of them have an additional layer for English language learners, but I wanted to start with something that I have been working on this year with my middle and high schoolers, and that has helped all of us tremendously. I wanted to share how you can incorporate self-management skills in your classroom. By now, you probably know that I have classes at middle and high school, and we have a good chunk of time together, 80 to 90 minutes, depending on the school. 
The classes are content area support and English skills. On the one hand, I love working with content because it provides such rich opportunities for English language development. On the other hand, it can be a lot of work and uh, in a mixed proficiency classroom, a challenge to keep everything and everyone straight. I knew that self-management and other areas like self-awareness and social awareness will need tweaking this year, but it really came into picture when I started implementing choice boards. Choice boards that I use in my classroom are simple. Five activities, sometimes covering all four language domains and sometimes focused on a specific domain, such as writing or speaking, and students get to choose three out of those five activities and complete them by a specific time. If you would like to learn more about choice boards and how to use them in the EL classroom, listen to episode four of this podcast. I will link it in the show notes. Although the choice boards truly have allowed me to streamline my grading and see what areas my students need to work on, uh, because they are more open-ended, they also revealed unexpected self-management challenges. For example, when I assign a choice board on a Monday, ask them to choose their activities and submit it no later than 3 p.m. on Friday, some students tackle the activities right away, while others procrastinate until literally the last moment. I bet you had some situations like this in your classroom. After a little bit of trial and error and a whole lot of put your phone down, please, let's focus for a minute and no, you may not go to the bathroom because I'm teaching, I came up with a structure that has been working quite well lately. So there are five parts of self-management that have been really beautiful in my classroom. The first one is goal setting. The second one is identifying what is urgent versus what's important. Uh, the third one is flexible seating. The fourth one is Pomodoro technique or the time blocking. And the fifth one is reflection and self-evaluation. While on a typical day, I implement three out of those above mentioned five techniques, they each get their spotlight during the course of a quarter, semester, and the year. Now, let's talk about each of them in greater detail. The first one is goal setting. There are several times a year that both teachers and students can set goals. First, at the start of the new school year, everyone is fresh from the summer break and your ESL students are eager to set goals for themselves. Second, right after the new year. A lot of people create resolutions, but I have found that resolutions tend to have a nasty habit of not sticking. Have you ever been in a place where you said you will lose 10 pounds or become organized by February 1st? Yeah, me too. And let me tell you, it doesn't stick because it's too vague. In addition, the start of a new trimester or semester also provides a perfect opportunity for EL goal setting. Finally, goal setting is perfect once you receive your access testing scores. It provides you with an opportunity to sit down with a student, review the scores, and decide where they want to go on their language learning journey next year. I wanted to add that I have gone even further and we literally set goals for our class by asking a simple question. What do I want to achieve today at the start of the class? 
Because my class is a lot more open-ended than, say, one where everyone is reading the same book or learning the same historical period, this type of question has worked really well. So setting goals at the start of the class is just as good as setting goals at the start of the school year. The second uh, technique or method or um, tip is uh, deciding what is urgent versus what is important. We live in the world in so of so much information. Everything demands our attention. A text message from a friend, a Snapchat story, an Instagram like, a TikTok video, not to mention the homework assignments rolling in on Google Classroom or Schoology or whatever other platform you and your students use. How on earth do we decide what to do first and what to do next? I remember reading about the Eisenhower matrix or management matrix in the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. While the book was about just being an effective person in general, I remembered this particular tip for time management when I observed students distracting themselves with phones, chatting, and random Google searches. What is this management matrix, you might ask? Well, it is a simple four-quadrant matrix. If you draw a square on a paper and divide it into four quadrants, label them in the following way. And I'm going to try to explain as clearly as I possibly can, but um, I will also link an article in the show notes to help you see the visual of it. So on the outer side of the square, you have two labels, imp- uh, two labels, so important is on the upper portion of the square and not important is on the lower portion of the square. Inside the square, the first quadrant on top left is labeled urgent and the second quadrant on top right is labeled not urgent. The both of them should coincide with the word important on the far left. On the bottom, we also have the third and fourth quadrants and they also are under urgent, Uh, on the left and uh, not urgent on the right. Both of these quadrants correspond to the words not important on the outer edge of the square. Again, I hope this makes sense. And uh, just a reminder, I will link an article so that you can see it better. But the point is, is that we need to put our attention towards the things that will bring us the biggest bang for our buck, so to speak, the urgent and important or not urgent, but important. When I first introduced this concept to my students, they were intrigued. I started by asking several questions. For example, how would you rank these tasks by importance? Respond to a text from a friend about a party this weekend. Buy a gift for your brother because his birthday tomorrow. Uh, Work on a class project that is due in two days, watch a movie, weed a garden. Um, You can come up with your own questions, maybe less detailed, um, but these are really worthwhile opposing in the classroom just to start a discussion. The answers were very interesting, but I think what we all found fascinating is that Responding to a text was an urgent task for most students because to them, it seemed like such a minor thing that it's not going to interfere with anything else. Only when I pointed out that responding to a text while you're writing an essay actually distracts your thought process did they buy into this idea of urgent versus important. 
When you have something that is urgent and important, for example, a homework assignment due next class or tomorrow, that is the first thing you tackle. The project, which is due on Friday, is important but not urgent, so you can put in some time each day to work on that. Everything else can be either delegated, postponed, or eliminated, which leaves responding to a text message while doing your work in the latter category. Now, how can you implement this idea in the classroom? I do it in the most simple way, just like I try to do everything simply. At the start of the class, each student takes a look at the work they have to do, whether it is a homework assignment or something that we have been working on together in class, and decide whether it's an important or urgent assignment. That way, the overwhelm is eased and we all are brought back into the focus state. The next tip is flexible seating. Uh, Flexible seating is a great way to help your students achieve their goals and help them study in a way that works best for them. Some students like to work with friends while others prefer quiet music and being alone. Some enjoy comfortable chairs while others like standing desks. And while I'm not able to provide this type of seating in my classroom this year, I have worked in classrooms Uh, that had it uh, from rugs, comfy chairs, exercise balls to regular desks and colorful lights and have seen how helpful it can be to students. They have a choice in how they work and that helps them learn their self-management as well. Let's talk about time next. Uh, So earlier in this episode, I shared the struggles of self-management that have been brought to light by my choice boards. I'm actually thankful for those challenges because we learned not only to set goals and identify what is urgent, um, but also to work with our time. At the start of the class, once we go over the goals, objectives, and identify what work deserves the most attention today, I set a timer for 20 to 25 minutes so students can work on the choice boards. Some need it more than others, but if they are finished with the choice board assignment early, they can then move on to other things. It is interesting that I myself have used this technique effectively for years because I have a tendency to procrastinate or distract myself. I'm not that different from my students. But when I apply a little bit of time pressure, I get so much done. Maybe you already do this in your life too. Why not implement it in a classroom? The fact that everyone is working on the same task and I don't have to nudge them on Friday afternoon to submit an assignment has made all of our lives easier. Now, the final step or component or technique is reflection and self-evaluation. As with everything, we have come full circle. As teachers, we reflect daily on what worked and what could go better next time. Without evaluation and reflection, our teaching would fall flat and we would never move forward. The same with our students. So many of my students struggle with negative self-talk. My English is not so good. I don't understand. I can't do this. But I want to encourage them and to take a step back and take charge of their own learning. The fact of the matter is that I see so much resilience and so much hard work in my classroom. And I think that reflecting on that and evaluating their own work uh, sheds that light on them as well. 
One way I have done this with complete beginners is having a simple self-evaluation sheet that they fill out at the end of each week where they rate themselves and how well they understood other people, how well other people understood them, what new words they learned, what interesting observations they made, and what they will try next week. This way, English learning does not seem like a big bad wolf to them, and over time, we have evidence of learning, which they like to see. With higher level students, I have a set of questions that I post right at the start of the class after we set our goals for the day. Here are some of the questions that help the student evaluate themselves and stay on track. Is this assignment urgent or important? How do you know that? How do you know you're doing the assignment right? Or how do you know you did it right if you finished? How much work do you want to complete today? And how are you going to stay on task? Sometimes we talk it out as a class. Sometimes I sit down with a particular student and ask these questions. But we have brought our attention to trying to figure out how we can help ourselves. And I think helping ourselves is one of the biggest uh, challenges and uh, biggest responsibilities for us when we talk about self-management. The questions are there for students to check in once in a while during the class, but we all take a pause before the end of the class and see if we can answer them truthfully. Some days are more focused than others, but honestly, these self-management techniques were very well received in our classroom and have worked well. And that is all for today. I hope you found this episode useful and you can implement these tips in your classroom. To recap, here is how I teach self-management in my Yale classroom. First, we set goals for the year, semester, quarter, or even a single class. Then uh, we decide what absolutely demands our attention versus what can be done later. Then we utilize flexible seating to maximize our productivity. We use time blocking Pomodoro techniques Uh, setting the timer for a certain period of time in order to complete a task. And finally, we reflect on how it went. What did we learn? How did we stay on task? And what can we do better next time? And that is all for today. I would love to hear from you. Did you find this episode useful? What do you do in your classroom to ensure your students are learning (laughs) self-management? Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to do two things. First, make sure to subscribe to the ESL Teaching Podcast so you don't miss an episode. And second, leave a positive review wherever you listen, on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform. Positive reviews will improve the chances of this podcast to be discovered in the feed and help our fellow ESL ELL teachers. And of course, there's a third thing. If you aren't following me on social media yet, come join me on Instagram at SimplyYevaESL, Facebook SimplyYeva, or connect with me on my website, SimplyYeva.com. Thanks again, and until next time.